As the worlds of culture, storytelling, and technology collide, so too do the best and brightest minds within them. Welcome to Select Conversations, a podcast series brought to you by United Masters. Having a strong team is crucial to the success of any artist. Managers play a pivotal role not only in artists' career, but also their personal lives. In this episode, Rachel Jackson, artist relations manager at YouTube, will lead a conversation with managers Terrence Snake Hawkins, Courtney Stewart, and Jamil Davis. They'll discuss the importance of managers and their personal experiences in the industry. Are you looking for a great option to bank or invest? Ally Financial is a leading digital financial services company with passionate customer service and innovative financial solutions. They are relentlessly focused on doing it right and being a trusted financial services provider to both customers and communities. Get with Ally to make the most of your money so you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter to you. Go to ally.com for more information. That's A-L-L-Y dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to SelectCon, presented by United Masters. Right now, you're tuned into managing artists from the ground up, and I'm so excited to be joined by the amazing men on this panel, Jamel, Snake, and Courtney. So as you all know, these are some very, very accomplished, not new to this, but very much true to this, managers in the game. So I'm excited to just dive into everything and all things management. So, Snake, we'll start with you. You are very much an OG. I've known you for all of my life as far as music is concerned. So talk to us about the beginning of your journey and how management chose you. Um, for me, I think it was a, a natural progression from what I was doing. You know what I mean? Just how I grew up and, and, and what I was doing in the street. And it was just a natural progression for me because it's a hustle. You know what I mean? And so I would just blessed enough and um, had a little luck on my side that um, I was able to meet some really good people in my early 20s. Um, I was in a situation where, you know, I, I didn't have to like go get coffee and walk somebody's dog and no shit like that. I was able to, for somebody to see my skill set and just say, you know what, we just want to give you an opportunity to do something other than this. And um, that's when I started working with Mike Tyson. He had a record label called Tyson Records. This was like in 98, 99. And um, from that point, I went on to start working with Zara Entertainment. And we had artists like The Game, um, Pleasure P, um, uh, a number of different artists signed to that particular company. And then from there, I went to working with Grand Hustle. And that's when I would draw. And I traveled from there to me and Amina. Diop partnered up and had Young Thug. And recently now, we got Gucci, we got Uzi, we got 1017, which part of 1017. You have Pushaisti, Fudiano, Enchanted, Big Scar. And then for my management company that I have separate from all of that, um, I have Corey mm. Ray, which I partnered with um, D'Anthony Bly, which is my partner. Um, I got Southside Nietzsche, um, Q the Fool, um, Busy Crook. Um, I managed some athletes, Melvin Ingram from the L.A. Chargers, DJ Swerger from the New Orleans Saints. Um, I managed Lou Williams, and I got a Latin company, Padrino Records, which I just did a deal with Sony Orchard, and we signed a group, DeSigno, to Sony Orchard. So 
you know, I can go on and on, but that's my hot, quick story from start to now. Got you. Congratulations on the newer success. Because like I said, you've been doing this for a long time and it's just amazing to not only have you here, but to be able to hear from you in this part of the story and in the rest. So Courtney, like Snake, you know, so eloquently laid out in his story, you know, relationships and linking up and how to navigate is really a big part in being successful in terms of being a manager. So tell us about your journey and definitely also call out some other strategic partnerships that you gained along the way that help you with the artists that you manage today. Yeah, um, you and I connected through DTP. We've known each other forever, but DTP was the, the foundation for um, myself and for Rachie as well. I managed Bobby Valentino uh, starting back in 2005. He and I are childhood friends. We grew up together in Atlanta, and he was the person that actually gave me an opportunity. Um, like like Snake said, you know, the, the game kind of chose me because I was more of, of an artist and a creative. I was influenced by Ye um, and and just, just the whole grind of Timbaland and Pharrell, and I wanted to produce and rap and really be in, in front of the camera. But... Bobby gave me the opportunity to be able to spread my wings and to 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 position myself when I'm still in the business, but doing it from from another angle. And when I discovered management is something that it was I was passionate about, then I, I just became a sponge and learned every aspect of the game. And being around people like Shaka and and Jeff and 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 other mentors that I had throughout along the way, they were able to. To, to lead me so I don't bump my head. And I think that's really important because as when, you, when you're young, you, you're out, you want to prove something. And, and we're all so antsy to be like, let me put some points on the board and let me prove something. But if you plan on having longevity in this game, you're, you're going you're gonna to make mistakes and you need to build relationships because if you burn bridges, the same person that you that you, you burnt that bridge with nine times out of 10, you're going to see them again and and you're going to have to deal with them again. And you never want to put yourself in a situation where your relationships aren't, aren't strong. And I feel as if strong relationships and longevity go hand in hand. That was a bar. Mic drop. <laughs> okay. So Jamel, you are what some may call more of like a young OG. You came into the game very young. You started as a manager, you know, young as well, or like in your 20s. So what was that like for you? Because, you know, unlike a lot of younger managers, you have to really learn a lot along the way. And I've had the pleasure of seeing you do that at a very rapid pace. So just talk to us about your journey and some of the people that you represent and how. Fire. Well, first off, thank you for having me. Um, it's great to be able to, to go after Snake, who I've seen since I got into this as an assistant tour manager for Wayne years and years ago. Snake is always somebody I've seen. <clears throat> Same with Courtney. But so I'm, 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 I'm very grateful to be on this panel um, and grateful for you. Um, but yeah, so I kind of started in terms of management. My first like management client is still uh, my management client, um, G, G Easy, who I started um, managing in 2007 or 2008. Uh, I met G back in New Orleans. We all went to college in the same city. And um, 
and I had a radio show out there. I was just kind of hustling. I was interning out there. I had a radio show out there at my college and promoting parties. And at one of the parties I was promoting, I saw G, um, tall, skinny white guy um, with a tall, beautiful bike check. And he had a whole different style back then. And I was just like, there's, I don't know what the fuck this kid is or who the hell he is, but there's something about him. And a little later in the night, I saw him go up on stage and um, pestering the DJ like to play this song, play this song. I still didn't know who he was or what he was. And um, as the club was in, I said, yo, can you come um, on my radio show next week? And that's how we became friends and I guess colleagues and whatnot. It wasn't, it was a while before it was even like with G uh, before he was like, you're my manager. It was never like an ass thing. It was, it was a kind of like, he would ask me stuff. I would tell him advice, this and that. And then one day he just kind of introduced me to somebody as his manager. And that's how that got started. Um, so, but in terms of relationships, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to touring, um, touring is where I got my start. I know snake said he got his with like, um, with the Tyson fam and Courtney, with DTP, mine actually came through outside of the internships or whatnot. It came through touring. Um, and the second tour I ever did was in 2008. Um, I had, uh, I was fortunate enough to meet Tina Ferris and Cortez Bryant, um, in 2008 at the same event, uh, Voodoo Festival in New Orleans, which I interned at. And, Little Wayne was one of the headliners that year. And I remember it was the last year before I was supposed to graduate college. And I'd done one tour before uh, in the summer of 2008 with Slipknot. And that was my first tour ever. I'm from metal. I never even thought I would work in rap and R&B, to be honest. I thought I was going to be a metal and rock kid my entire life. Um, and 2008, I went to Voodoo Fest. I was like, I got to find one more tour before I got to graduate and go into the real world. I didn't even know you can make money out of touring. So my goal was to meet every agent, tour manager, manager at the festival and say, yo, hi, my name is Jamel Davis. I'm here for whatever you need. I go to college down the road. I got a lot of, I'm, I'm just here. You know, whatever you need, whatever you see my face, this is my number, anything you may need. Even though I was not in any official capacity, it was just like, I got to just meet as many people as possible. Um, a week later, I got a call from Tina Ferris saying, yo, there's a tour going out. Um, I'm looking for an assistant. And and um, do you want to do this? And I didn't know who it was going to be at the time. And, she, and I remember these words will always resonate with me. She said, it's not a lot of money, but it's tons of experience. And so... I eventually agreed and said, yes, I'll do the tour, just knowing the dates. And she said, great. Um, Little Wayne is going out on his first arena headlining tour, and you'll be my assistant tour manager. And, um, yeah, and that's how I got started. And that whole, I was managing G already. And sorry if my intro is too long one day, because I don't know if it's just an intro or a story to where we get where we are. Okay? So that was my start. Go for it. We're here to share information, so go for it. Great, great, great. So that was how I got started. Um I came up through touring and, and, and which is great because that's really how we built, built G. Um, streaming wasn't all the way around when, when G got started and we weren't, we damn sure weren't on the radio yet. So it was just a lot of touring, touring, college parties, um, college shows, basement shows, backyard shows. And what I would do after I would see like Wayne, 
on tour d- doing these sold out arenas, I would always call G and Matt. Matt's my business partner, who I also co-manage G with. I would always call G and Matt like, yo, holy fuck. This is what this is how Wayne is touring. This is what he's doing with his band. This is the sound equipment they're using. There's a fucking guy out here named Drake who's crazy. And there's this chick named Nikki. And there's the whole young money coming out and doing two songs. And 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 we'll just just take all the knowledge I was seeing there and filter it back to G and Matt back home. And um yeah, and that's how I got started. And like Courtney and Steak both said, relationships and reputation are so important because each each tour stop I went, I said, great, this is a, an opportunity for me to not only be a great tour assistant, but establish myself as as an asset, as an executive, as a somebody who needs to meet every single person in this venue from the ticket taker to the promoter to if I have access to the president of the venue, you know, just because I know God willing, I'll hopefully be back here in a year or so or two or three or whatever with my own client. Um, so just like a lot of information flowing, but touring is how I got my um, nuanced come up. Indeed. I'm glad you shared that story because self-establishment and, and relationships are key in terms of breaking yourself as yeah. a manager into a place where people can respect you and then also paving roads for your artists. So Courtney, talk to us about added value. So when you were making that transition from a creative into a manager, what key things did you pull on or how did you talk to yourself or position yourself to be able to be someone that could represent an artist? You have to have the, the drive and the willpower. I, one one quote that always sticks with me is, you, you have to know how to turn a no into a yes. Because when you walk in rooms, people are going to always tell you no. So you have to have that drive and that willpower and that finesse to be able to turn that no into a yes. And one, one, once I got my, my wings and figured out that I know how to talk to people, I know how to communicate with people, but I also know how to represent talent because... Being a manager, it's a very it's a very selfless job. We we are we we dedicate our whole lives to looking after someone's not just their career but also their livelihood as well. Um, the, the the three of us on this panel, I know that we are managers that that aren't in the office looking at emails. We're actually out there doing the work, and that's something. That, that separates us from the rest of the pack. And that's why we've been blessed to do this for so long because we've really been in it. We've really, and, 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 and we don't have egos. Right now, if, if Khalid asked me to carry his bag at the airport, I'll carry the bags. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Not having an ego and being able to, 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 to do whatever you need to do to make sure your act is supported and to make sure that they're flourishing. Love that. Love that. Snake, you have a management company that touches a lot of different genres of music as well as a lot of different areas of entertainment. So as you were building this empire that you have and that we all respect, what were some of the key things you made sure that you were doing along the way to make sure that you are connecting your artists to success? Because I believe that a lot of, or from my view, a lot of up and coming managers, they don't really understand how to pull a lot of those dots together and make them work for their artists. So speaking to someone that has seen a career go from two people in a venue to 200,000 
people at a venue. Like, how did you strategically manage breaking an artist and making, you know, everything make sense for them along the way? Um, well, really, it's about giving, first of all, giving them the core values that you have um, and trying to train them the correct way. And it's easier a lot of times with younger artists than it is with older artists because older artists are kind of stuck in their ways and the younger artists, uh, you can kind of mold them in the way they should be, how they should approach interviews, how they should approach um, performing, um, being on time, managing their money, and just trying to instill in them some of my values and trying to get them to understand how you treat people on your way up is going to be how you judge when you on the way down because nothing lasts forever. And there's very few artists in the history of music that consistently stay on top. You probably can count them on one hand, right? Everybody has his peaks and then you have your valleys. So um, trying, trying to get them to understand like, hey, if you want to be successful, this is where you should approach handling radio interviews. This is the way you should approach um, being prepared for shows. This is where you should approach from handling your finances and, and being prepared, you know what I mean, for certain situations that may come. Um, and then the rest of it, honestly, it depends on the artist. You kind of figure it out as you go, right? I'm, for this artist, I may do certain things with, but I may not do with this particular artist. Um, so, I mean, it, it kind of varies on, you know, how I would move working with Nietzsche on how I would work with Koi on how I would move working with Gucci on how, you know what I mean? It just kind of kind of varies, man. But I mean, you know, you got to do the best you can to instill in them some of the value, values that you value that you know that will help them be successful. You know what I mean? So it kind of varies. Yeah. But I try to instill in them with, with, with I, you know what I mean? Be honest. Like, be on time. Like, be smart. Like, you know what I mean? Listen. Like, you know, I just try to instill in them, you know, because, you know, attitude di dictate leadership. So, so my attitude is on how I lead. Indeed. So, you seem like you take a mentorship approach. And you're right. A lot of artists are not the same. So, you can't do the exact same thing with every single artist. And I have a follow-up question for you, too. What is a deal breaker for you as a manager? Because I know like coming from where you come from, coming from where we all come from, we want to see people that look like us and people that don't win in a space that we're very, very passionate about. But how do you know in working with a particular artist is not a good fit? So what key indicators do you look for or what are some red flags that's like, okay, now, nah, you know, I love you, but I got to love you and message you from I, afar. I'll be straight up honest with you. I don't, I look at work ethic and um, are you sober? Them the main two things I look at. Are you going to work hard? Jamil mentioned g Easy. I remember when we had g Easy on America Most Wanted Tour and he performed in them amphitheaters when nobody was there and you thought it was filled with people and he performed his ass off. Me, Clay, and Jason, Cheetah, we know about Travis and I know when me and Clay used to move Travis around when nobody cared and he performed on the stage and had like it was a million people out there. That's why he performed in front of a million people. Then I look at an artist like Gucci, who is well seasoned. He's a professional. 
since Gucci been out of prison, he's never late. He don't miss flights. He don't get high. He don't get drunk. And you wonder why he get $200,000 a show and can travel the world and he don't need a million people with him. If you get high and you're not a functional addict, stay away from me. I'm cool because you're not going to last long anyway. Now, if you want to get high and you can be functional, hey, I can probably deal with it for, uh, you know what I mean? I can figure it out. But if you want to get high and miss flights, be late, don't want to do interviews, you want to piss it all off, don't waste my time. So I'm And I'm very passionate about this, so excuse my passion. You know what I mean? It's like, to be great... No, I knew it. That's why I need to say that to you, because you really do not play. You don't. To be, to be great is a lonely process. All the people in human existence that have been great, it's been a lonely process. And you can't do things that other people do. LeBron didn't do things that kids did when he was coming up. You know what I mean? He wanted to be great. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a sacrifice that you make when you want to be great. And that is, you have to be disciplined. You know what I mean? You got to have a certain kind of attitude to be great. So my deal breaker is, if, you, if you're not a functional addict and you're just an addict, I'm cool on you. If you don't have the discipline enough to be on time and be respectful of other people's time and grateful in the position that you're in, I can tell that off when I first meet an artist. I can tell what type of person you're going to be. And I tend to just walk away. I've been blessed. I ain't never been fired. I quit. And I can definitely <laughs> agree to that. That's a fact. You do not play with your time. And you also do the most to make sure that your artist time while working is maximized and then also respected by other people. So thank you for sharing that. Truth. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that truth. Cause I co-signed that 100%. Can I say something? Oh, yeah, go ahead. If you want to chime in on that before I ask you another question. Sure. Yeah. Um, before I lose this thought, uh, I want to build upon something that Courtney said about yes and no's. I always tell people never stop at the first no. Um, and I don't even stop at the second no or the third no or fuck it, the fourth one, you know, because I know there's always a way in. Um, and within reason, by the way, like I'm not I'm talking about in terms of in terms of business, because there's some people who are built on. No, that's not going to work. Some people who are. No, that's not that won't work. That won't work. And that's just fucking bullshit. There's always a way, you know, um, to get something done. And that's what and I think touring, I think touring and Wayne and Tina Ferris really taught me that because no was not an, an answer for Wayne, um, which meant it wasn't an answer for Tina, which means it wasn't an answer for me. And, and just saying like, so that's that, um, and you only get what you ask for and you can't be scared of, you can't be scared of anything. And then one more thing, um, in terms of what snake said, I, I forgot we were on that tour, but I always instilled in G even before that tour, yo, I don't care if there's fucking five people out there or fucking 500 or whatever, those five people paid to see you those 500 paid to see you. I remember one time we did a, a sold out show. I'm sorry, not a sold out show in Florida on one of G's tours. Um, it was, it was a while before G built up a, a strong fan base in Florida. And I'm so sorry. It was a while before G built up a fan base in Florida and the whole tour was sold out, but Florida was not sold out nowhere close. And he got off the bus and was hissing and this and that and talking about it's not sold out. I want to do it. I said, G. These hundred fucking people paid their money to see you perform. And and I said, yo, these hundred people, these these core hundred people are more important than any eight hundred or nine hundred that didn't show up. 
So you got to put on a show for them and they're going to tell all their fucking friends that, damn, like these are actually the most important people on the whole tour. You know what I'm saying? So, but that's that. uh, And it it reminded me of that. But yes, never stop at the first no and always give it your all. And, um, and yeah. And, um, yeah. And that's for artists or management or anything like that. Got it. Something else I wanted to dive in with you, Jamel, is the importance of identifying transferable skills. So you took on, you know, multiple jobs. You positioned yourself a lot of different ways before you became the manager Mm -hmm. that you are today. So just talk about the experiences that you had and how those experiences that you're going to list out for us contributed to the manager that you are today. I think... um Touring really taught me people. I, I, I think my gift more than anything uh, is people. Um, some people are super organized. Some people are um, super creative. I think my gift is people. Um, and that's helped me a lot of like I'm super relationship based. And so that's just helped me and it's helped my clients, you know, and uh, sorry, transferable skills. I don't know my other skills, but people, to be honest, and like having a good time and trying to be as level-headed as possible. But um, I remember one time Future, the Prince, who is Drake's manager, told me, yo, you're not a good tour manager. And at first it fucking stung a little, but he was like, your gift is people. And that's fine. And he's like, you know, it takes a certain type of person to move Drake and understand how to move and, and operate within how he moves and operates in the large group of people. And, and that helped me realize, even though I already knew it, my gift is people, situations, and empowering and, and handling stuff. Yeah, so, but I think touring, again, really helped me build G. And because we weren't on radio, we didn't have a smash shingle at any times before five or six years ago. So that helped me transfer that. People and being a dot connector. Um or I don't I don't know if that even answers your questions. No, it definitely did. It definitely did because it's essential to take right. all of your life experiences right. and apply them you know, as you move along right. the way. So that that was totally, totally, totally helpful. Thank you. So Courtney, speaking of that and transferable skills, you are very much a hometown hero. Like you're someone that people look to. It's like, wow, like he really is from Atlanta. We know what high school he went to. Like there are a lot of people that cheer you on from Atlanta. So can you talk to us about the importance of winning at home, whether it's for your artists or it's for yourself as a manager? And then how important planning is in terms of, you know, making sure that your next step is your best your best step. It's nothing like hometown support because uh, I love Atlanta. Atlanta, I was born in Atlanta, raised in Atlanta. You know, people talk about old Atlanta. I'm an old Atlanta, you know, Southwest Atlanta guy. And I remember when Atlanta didn't really have a flourishing music community like it has today. It was literally three people that that it was Big Oomp, it was Jermaine Dupree, and Dallas Austin. Those were like the three pipelines to getting on into Atlanta. And I know I mentioned Bobby V earlier. He was in a group called Mr. And they had a song called Blackberry Molasses and Organized Noise was the production company that produced them. So early on, I was blessed enough as a 12-year-old kid to be around Outkast, to be around Goody Mob, TLC, and to, to see Organized Noise 
cultivate a sound and a movement for Atlanta. I remember me and Ethiopia have to marry him. She's, you know, she was raised right on Benjamin E. Mays Drive in, in the middle of the swats and just seeing her being someone who she knew that she was going to be where she is today. And so I, I think what was special about us was even at the age of 12 and 13, we already, we were already invested. And when I talk to a lot of kids now, like what Snake said earlier, I love the quote that he said um, about being great because LeBron, he was, he was literally practicing and perfecting his craft while everybody else was doing whatever they want to do. And literally when I was 12 and 13 years old, I was trying to make beats. I was trying to get, get in dark, you know, when dark was really the only studio in Atlanta to get into. I remember, I remember Jasper in there sleeping on the couch and, and writing records and, that that's what I spent my time doing. I didn't I didn't go to the parties. I didn't go to the to the to the football games or basketball games. I did go to the amazing Doug games a lot, but other than that, it was like I was just I was working. And so I think that 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 drive really dictates your potential of how far you're gonna go in life, no matter what you're doing, if it's music related or non-music related. You have to have just an undeniable commitment and an undeniable drive to be able to to make it through the peaks and the valleys that that life is going to bring. Y'all are so insightful. And again, I'm not surprised because I've just been so lucky to know you all and be able to receive these gems personally, like on my climb through my life, too. So I definitely appreciate that. So before we close, I just want to touch on one last topic that's everybody's. Oh, one other thing too. What'd you say, Courtney? As far as you know, okay. Me and Snake and you yourself as well. We're from Atlanta, but a lot of kids, because um, I know growing up it was like New York and LA was the thing, right? Now Atlanta is the thing. But I just want to tell like young people, even if you're from like Khalid is from, he's a military kid, but it was it was El Paso, Texas that that broke him literally. So you don't have to be from Atlanta, New York, Chicago, L.A., or the other major cities in order to break. Look, if, if you're from Mississippi, if you're from Alabama, if you're from, you know, I- I- any other smaller markets out there, work your market and, and put the city on your back and be that champion for your city. I just wanted to throw it out there because we, we broke a global superstar from a city that no one even knew existed. Nobody even heard of El Paso, Texas. But we, we, we broke Khalid from El Paso, and he wears that on his sleeve. Yo, uh, I, I want sure to say something. Again, to build upon what they said. Like the 12 and 13 thing with Ethiopia and, and, and how... Um, is I always tell people, because sometimes they say, yo, I'm waiting for this or I'm waiting for that. I always tell people it's never too fucking early to start. It's never too early to start because while you're waiting, there's somebody else starting because they don't know that age is a thing. They think age is nothing but a number, you know. And I saw somebody put um, I saw somebody post something today that said, if you wait 
if you wait a day to start, you're going to be reaching your goals a day later. So just start, you know, and I think it's just super important to do it because, you know, there's there's what you call dreamers out there. And I remember um, I'm I'm not LeBron by any stretch of the word or any of these other guys. But I just remember in college, like staying up all night um, and finding bands on MySpace, And and when I have my radio show, just like reaching out to bands on MySpace and trying to find out everything about them and just being like, holy shit, this is so cool. I can connect with bands and their managers just for messaging them on MySpace. And I don't care if I get one response, two response, three response. I'm like forging these relationships, you know? Um, and then what Courtney, another thing Court said is like, make a way in your own city. And it's easier now than ever with Instagram. I think, I think it's easier now um, than ever with Instagram. And it's like, just do it. Cause you could, nobody knows if you're in El Paso, by the way, I know where El Paso is. I don't know the people you're talking about, maybe in Atlanta, they didn't know where El Paso was Courtney, but like, like I damn sure knew where the fuck it was. And, and, um, and, but yeah, relate, like just start. If, if I always tell people if like, if, if you don't have a name for your company, just start one. You know, you're never too early to be the CEO of your own shit. Even if you're working for somebody else, be the CEO of your own stuff and, and, and just make your brand and, and, and make your mark and just start today and work hard. Do all the research, forge all the relationships, uh, see the people who you look up to and follow and, and try and emulate their path. Not just to end what you see, but see what they did and just do research and start. Um, and I don't know where I was going there, but it's never too early to start. And and yeah, and the worst thing somebody can say is no and troubleshoot your life. <laughs> exactly. And before we close, I just want to get to the part that I know is everybody's favorite. The money of it all. How to monetize for not only yourself and your artists. And Snake, I feel like this is a superpower of yours. I have sat and watched you make sure that no matter where your artist is or whoever you're representing gets paid and gets paid what they're worth. So talk about that structure, how you build up to a place of getting paid, and then also how to build on making more money for yourself as a manager and for your artist. Well, I think it starts off with um, a lot of times managers kind of do things to generate money for their client based upon what's going on in their lives. So they just take money. Anybody call you, just take it. You got to get to the point as a manager where you t you take money and you do deals, shows, whatever the case may be, based upon what makes sense for that particular artist. Um, you try not to whore your, your client out. You know what I mean? Just taking everything. Don't care where it's at, you know, what the venue look like. You don't care. In the beginning for certain artists, I get it. You want to kind of get them going, get them booked. You know what I mean? So you kind of, but you got to know when to say when, right? And my goal, especially for um, musical artists, like, you know, I try to make it so their brand, my goal is to make it so that their brand generates just as much money as they do in music, right? Because if the music stops, then what? If you don't focus on the brand and trying to find, like with Koi, right? Me and Koi and D, we talk. And the first thing I started talking about when we making this this climb right now, right? We got to build a brand, right? And not just things to take money to post on Instagram. Not 
We want ownership in some stuff. Can we get equity? We'll take money. Can we get the equity? Is it a possibility? Can I get 1% of that? Can I get, you know what I mean? LeBron, I think he got, what, 1% of fucking beats? And when Jimmy Iovine sold his shit, he made a shitload of money off of 1% or whatever the case may be. I try to think, get my artists and my team to think not about the front end, but the back end. So we may not get much on the front end, but we setting ourselves up for the back end. You know what I mean? That's the plan. And I think you got to get to a point as a manager where you make decisions not based upon what's going on in your life. Because you got to pay rent or mortgage or you got child support or whatever the fuck you got going on. That ain't the artist's problem. So you can't just take money to be taking it so you can get the commission so you can pay your bills, right? So you got to get to that point and that, to that maturity as a manager, right? And, you know, I think the, the thing is just really take the time and think about the later and not the now. That's the biggest thing on how your money going to Because if you're patient and you understand that everything don't have to be right now, you can build it and build it and build it for later, a lot of times you'll find more success going that route than trying to be greedy up front. I, I always tell people that it's, it's, it's not what you say yes to, it's what you say no to. And, and, and that will eventually get it to where you want it. Because if they really fucking want you, they're going to come back. And they're going to come back again. You know, um, it's not what you say yes to. It's what you say no to. And that and that's what's really going to make you the money. 100%. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for sharing your heart and soul and your passion for management with us on Managing Artists from the Ground Up, presented by SelectCon and United Masters. I'm Rachel Jackson, Artist Relations Manager from YouTube Music. And that is a wrap. Thanks for coming. Yeah.